0: Sound Design.
1: Live. I want to add so much value to you and your business that I hope I gain enough of your trust that you refer me to others. Sound Design. Live. Sound
0: Design Live is produced independently by me, Nathan Lively, in Oakland, California. Welcome to Sound Design Live, the show to help you build your career as a sound engineer and the home of the world's first online career coaching program optimized for audio professionals. I'm Nathan Lively, and today I'm joined by Ed Gandia, uh, Ed Gandia. <laughs> I want to say it, <laughs> from the International Freelancers Academy. So Ed, I definitely want to talk to you about generating personal referrals, how to measure my client's ROI, and the rock star myth. But first of all, what's the best music to write to?
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I have become a huge fan of Focus at Will. So, focusatwill.com. I don't own stock in the company. I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. Um, It's music that's scientifically designed to help you stay focused and more creative.
0: Scientifically designed.
1: Yes, it is you should check it out read about the science behind it it is really really cool they got about 9-10 different channels they're always experimenting they always got a couple of beta channels but um, you kind of find the the couple of stations and the intensity for each station that you want it's got a built in timer and I work in 50 minute increments 5-0 I will set timer 50 minutes on my favorite station favorite intensity depending on the time of day the intensity varies and it's quite remarkable how well it works it really does help me stay focused
0: wow that sounds great and then you just crank it up really loud in your headphones to drown out your kids right
1: yeah depending (laughs) on how much yeah this time of year with summer they're home yes i I do that and my favorite station by the way is the uptempo station at medium medium intensity it's just yeah i love it
0: as we just discussed my audience is primarily freelance audio engineers and just so people know, when I say the International Freelancers Academy, um, you generally serve freelance writers, correct?
1: You know, it's, it, freelance writers is my core audience, but in my audience, I have designers, I have photographers, translators, accountants, uh, a, a sound professional. I mean, really, it, it's, it's all over the place, but 70 to 80% of them are writers and designers.
0: Okay, cool. Um, so how did you get your first job as a freelancer?
1: You know, my first paid job is the one that I always consider like my first real job. And it wasn't that much money. It was $200. But um, I'll never forget it because somebody actually paid me to do something for them. And I landed a um, it's a a snack company. They, it's a company called hers. They're up in the Northeast. I didn't even know about them. Uh, but I had done a direct mail campaign to about 500 different companies. It was very random and they were the only people out of 500 who responded and they wanted me to write package copy for the back of their potato chip bags some new products they were releasing that year so you know the description uh, right at the, the, uh-huh. the back of the yeah. potato chip bag hey you know this is crunchy and lively and you're You'll having a it. fiesta yeah uh-huh. yeah they, they wanted a really specific tone and it was it was kind of neat um, can, I,
0: can i hear it do you do you know it i you know this is years ago okay
1: <laughs> so let's step
0: back for a second you emailed 500 people and got one response
1: Actually, it was physical direct mail. You know, remember those things he used to get in, in, the, in the mailbox? Like a letters. physical letter. Yeah, physical letters. It was very unfocused. I mean, looking back, I made a lot of mistakes. But I was just trying to generate some activity and I was trying to position myself as, look, you need great copy written, um, which really is marketing marketing content, right? Marketing and sales content. Call me, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm great. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, that, that was totally the wrong approach. So I'm not surprised looking okay, back. Well,
0: what's great is that we're going to transition into talking about the good approach because um, for my audience, Pro Audio is so heavily based on personal referral. I was wondering if you could talk for a minute about some of the strategies that you see working well for your students to generate more personal referrals. And depending on where we go from here, I thought, Later, I would also share kind of my strategy for um, having a daily ritual of connecting with my warm contacts, with my close network, and um, and then kind of compare that to yours. So, sorry, that was a bunch of questions at once.
1: Yeah. Um, so, so should we start with kind of what I advise yeah, what people do you, to do with the referral? What do you
0: see working well for you and your students, the people and the people in uh, International Freelancers Academy for generating more personal referrals?
1: You know, I think part of it is just understanding the the possibilities and the limitations of a referral strategy. I think a lot of people have it wrong because they're trying to copy what they see out there in other businesses. People give professional referrals for intrinsic reasons, meaning they, they want to feel helpful, they want to feel valuable. They don't do it for extrinsic re, extrinsic reasons, monetary gain, for instance, or some sort of reward or a discount on the next project. And I'm seeing a lot of people just trying to do what, let's say, a, uh, I don't know, the store down the corner is, is doing to, is, for referrals and they're applying that in their business. It doesn't, it doesn't work. It can actually backfire. So I think people need to understand, look, why do people give referrals, What do they not give referrals? And you know their reputation is on the line. And they're not sure many times how you're going to handle that referral. So if you don't address those silent objections, if you will, um, in your ask and your request, then you're really going to have a hard time with this. Um, so it's just understanding what motivates people. And it's not going to be because you're going to give them a discount. It's not going to be because you're going to buy them a turkey or whatever. It's um, They're going to do it because they, they really like you. They trust you. They, they like your work. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I think the first step, and this is so obvious, but most people don't do this, is you have to ask. I mean, like, a lot of people think, well, clients, if they like my work, they should give me referrals. Yes, this is you a problem
0: that my that a lot of people in my audience have as well.
1: Yeah, it, you know, it, a lot of people are afraid to do it, but here's the thing, nobody has ever lost a client because they asked them for a referral. Not yeah. that I know of.
0: <laughs> right? Or lost friends, or lost family members.
1: Yeah, just, just ask. Um, I mean, I, I would venture to, 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 to say that if you're going to ask, you're asking someone who's already hired you and you think they're happy or you know they're happy with your work. Um, the other thing is you just need to ask the right way. Um, I've gotten into the habit of always ask for referrals when I'm praised. You know, When, when somebody says, man, this is great work. I love it. You nailed it. What, right away, Hey, you know, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate that. And then, and and then I'll I'll show you how I ask it. But you got to get into the habit. It should be a trigger. You're being praised. Your chances are always the highest when somebody is praising you. Then asking later. Hey, you know, the other day you told me you were really happy. You know, that, that's too late. Yep. Um. So so then the right way is you need to. There's a couple of ways of doing it. Um. But. I I like to position it as not a desperate need, but as a, hey, this is how I get clients. So I'll say something like, most of my business comes from referrals, or a great part of my business comes from referrals, or my business depends on referrals. It's very important that you position it that way because what you're saying is, look, this is just an everyday part of what I do. This is how I get my best business, my best clients. Uh, I trust you, and therefore I'm asking you. Instead of, I'm really desperate, can you send some business my way?
0: Yeah, and it sounds like part of your strategy is not waiting till you're desperate. Don't wait till you need the work. Like Make this something that you do regularly, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, In fact, I I would even say, now I haven't done this as well. I've done this before, but it it never quite became a habit. Um, Creating a referral expectation from the start. So right Mm, from the beginning, when you're engaging with the client, say, listen, um, I want you to understand that I want to add so much value to you and your business that I hope I gain enough of your trust that you refer me to others, you know, and then let them know here again, most of my business comes from referrals. That's because I deliver excellent work every time, yada, yada, yada. Um, So, you know, at one point, I'm going to ask you for referrals, but just know that I want to earn that first. And that just kind of sets up the relationship in a really nice way from the very start, I think. Just understand why people do it and don't do it. Get into the habit of asking, asking at the right moment in the right way. Um, and then consider setting it up early in their relationship, you know, setting that expectation early. I've even seen some people who, now this is kind of extreme, but this is a more advanced strategy. So you might, you might, some people might be comfortable with it where they, well, they just tell people, look, I only work through referrals. Um, I will not take... a." Uh, a client on if they haven't come through somebody that I've worked with in the past. Mm. That could work really, really well if you have the confidence to do it, if you do it right, um, and if you've been in business for a while. And, and of course, this goes without saying, if you've noticed that your best clients do come to you through referrals. Um, and I think that's the case for a lot of service professionals, right? A lot of freelancers they realize, gosh, when people find me through a Google search or in a directory, they're just shopping. Right, Ninety percent of the time, but when they come to me through a referral, ninety percent of the time they're awesome or at least really good. So if you've noticed that about your your clients, then you know you you could and some people should be bold enough to be able to do something like that,
0: so Ed has a whole podcast about this where he starts off by addressing many of the objections that people have. To doing this work of asking for referrals, and so you can listen to that. But I'll just go ahead and say that if you haven't done it before, it's going to feel awkward at the beginning, but um, it's totally worth it. And even if you don't get some strong referrals right away, because sometimes these things take time, right? With especially with uh, your weaker contacts. But a big benefit that you get is learning to talk about your work. So just think about that as it's feeling awkward. Like yes, it's feeling awkward, but it'll get better.
1: Yeah, role play with somebody. I mean, even if it's a a friend, your spouse, it it doesn't. When you role play, that's when you really learn. Hopefully,
0: I mentioned this already,
1: but your podcast is that you
0: published. The name of the episode is called "Tap Your Network: How to Get Business Through Friends, Colleagues, and Relatives." Because communicating with your friends and colleagues, what I call your warm contacts, is one of the easiest ways. I feel like, as I just mentioned, to learn to talk about what you do and ask for help. So I'm going to share the process that I teach to all of my clients. And it's based on a strategy um, that I got from Michael Port's book, Book Yourself Solid. And you recently interviewed him, right?
1: I did. He's a okay. great guy.
0: Um, And so this is based on that. So step one, create a list of 60 of your warm contacts, anyone who likes you and will open your email and respond. And this is usually your friends, family, and colleagues. Uh, Step two, once a day, write to the person at the top of the list and then move them to the bottom of the list. That way you're reaching out to your warm contacts about once every two months. Um, And if you want to change up the time, you could do 90 people so that you're doing once every 90 days. And then step three, what do you say? I recommend a two-step process where I first just connect on a personal level and get them to respond. Maybe I offer to help them with a problem I know they've been working on, or just you know give them some news about my life. They usually. Oh, sorry. And then at the end of that first email, though, um, I tell them the new thing that I'm working on or what I'm promoting at the moment or that I have some new availability.
1: Just letting them know my business my clients come through referrals. Right
0: exactly that this is how I get most of my work so then instead of immediately making the ask I usually say um, can I send you a couple of links on what I'm doing now in case you know someone who might be interested. That way I get them to write back and say yes please and kind of ask for it so I'm not just kind of uh, it makes me feel it makes just feels a little bit more comfortable for me. So then I respond with a couple of testimonials or credibility indicators um, about happy clients and then some information about my work in a format that makes it really easy for them to just copy and paste or just forward that email to someone else. Um, so is that kind of similar to is there any, any notes you want to give me on that process,
1: Ed? You know, mine is. Very, very close. The one I teach. Um, uh, I guess the only thing that I will add is I explain who a good prospect is for me. And I typically describe that in terms of um, not a need, but attributes. So in other words, you know of anyone who's looking for a website writer. Or you know a marketing consultant, or instead of asking that, you're asking, "Do you know of anyone who owns a you know a local service business?" Right, and sometimes I'll, I'll alter the question based on what I know about this person. Right, I'm checking him out on LinkedIn. Like I know Bill, I know Bill, but I before I ask. I want to get more immersed into his world and better understand who he might or might not know. And then once I understand that or I re- refresh my memory, then I'll ask, hey, my best prospect tends to be, you know, someone in, in this world uh, with these attributes. And I'll still keep it kind of general, but notice I've still, I've basically separated that from the rest of the population, right? So local service businesses, um, you know, uh, technology companies, software companies. Like if I know Noelle, for instance, knows she's in the software business. I might say you know, typically a good prospect for me would be an enterprise software company, um, you know th- that's over you know twenty employees, uh, something like that, right? So So then I'm kind of giving her a realm instead of like she might wonder, well, gosh, are you looking for like a local business, small business, a startup, uh, healthcare, what? Yeah, I'm making it easier for her.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You're making it really easy for people to say yes instead of just like, whoa, thousand, the, the thousand people that I know who maybe could have send this. To, you want to make it really specific. Yeah, that's good.
1: Yeah, but based on attributes, not on a need. Instead of, a, have you heard of someone who needs this? Don't ask that because the chances of them having heard uh, of someone or from someone who needs that are, are really slim. A lot of people uh, give up easily on this effort because they say, you know, I got one chance to make this ask. And if they can't think of someone or they're too busy or they forgot, then I'm I'm screwed. And it's, it's that's not true. Look at this as, especially if you haven't been in touch with this person for a while, look at this as a way to kind of uh, reconnect. And then just kind of nurture them over time. Uh, so I like the idea, I like Michael Port's idea because you're checking in with them every 60 days or so. And my suggestion would be is the next the next message you send in 60 days, don't make it about the ask. You know, send something interesting, a value, something relevant to that person. You have to do some homework. You can't send the same same thing to everybody, but just send them something based on what you know about them you think would be interesting or relevant. And just say, hey, just thought about you when I read this. Hope you're doing well.
0: Let's uh let's talk about that for a second, because my thinking I sometimes disagree with that and I think, well, if I'm only reconnecting with this person every 90 days, then if I kind of make a similar ask, but the personal, the rest of the email is different. Like, hey, there's just things going on in my life, things going on in your life, reminding you that we're friends. Um, and then I make the same ask, isn't potentially, wouldn't that benefit me by kind of training them? And that then like, I'm kind of hammering it in a little bit more. like They're like, oh yeah, that's right. That's the thing he's looking for.
1: You know, I think it might be a personal uh, preference. I the reason I like to switch over to just adding value, if you want to call it that, is that it doesn't feel like I inserted the other thing there as a buffer, Mm -hmm. you know, for the ask. Um, And there's very, I think, more subtle ways of reminding them. Uh, For instance, in your email signature, it can include a call to action or a link to your website, and let them connect the dots. Yeah. I, I find that that's more effective than, because, look, the, the, like they're not going to forget, yeah. right? When, you, when they see your name, oh, yeah, you know, that's right. Jim is doing this new thing now or he's looking for this work or looking for these types of clients.
0: It makes me think of Gary Vaynerchuk of kind of just creating lots of awesome content and then, you know, he never talks about his store and they people have to figure it out on their own. But when they do, they really like it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, and what he does too, and I haven't followed him as much, right, but um, like a couple of months ago, I I had forgotten all about his store Um, because he's moved like so much away from that uh, in some respects, but he tweeted like in the, the, like out of, I don't know, out of one out of every 20 tweets, he talks about like this awesome wine deal and then he links to it, or at least he did that one day. I happen to link to it. It's like, oh yeah, wine library. I forgot. They got the store. <laughs> yeah. And it was this really amazing deal. Now, I didn't I didn't buy that deal. I love wine. I didn't buy that deal, but I got on their newsletter. And within a week, I bought a case of wine. <laughs> there you go. Right. The long tail. Yeah. So what happened there, right? He's providing great content. Every once in a while he sneaks something in and that might be, that might be it. Now if he was if he was pitching me every time, even, even if it was content um, as a buffer, I don't know if it'd be that effective.
0: Ed, are there any California li- California lies, California wines that you know of that off the top of your head that you like?
1: Uh. So many. <laughs> so many. Really? You start. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I, I guess the one I'm thinking about right now, Just, I got an email from them the other day, uh, or actually today, Costa Brown Pinot Noir. Um, good luck getting on their list. Uh, Why? Costa with a K. Um, oh. They've become really popular. I was fortunate enough to get on their list right before they took off. And um, amazing Pinot Noir if you're a uh, Pinot Noir fan. Sure. It's just crazy good.
0: Wow, Okay. Um, I guess they should probably send me money now, right? Because they're on the show.
1: I, I think they should see, send me <laughs> wine. Send
0: you wine, send me money. <laughs> um, okay, Ed, I know that to grow my business as a freelancer, I need to be able to show return on investment for my clients. So, I'm trying to figure out how to get better at measuring that or more practically, how do I have a conversation with my current or past clients to figure out how much money they made from working with me or what other business returns were important to them from their investment in my services? So how did you get started doing that? How do you know um, these kind of detailed information that do you have them sign something at the beginning saying that they're going to tell you about their business?
1: You know, I, I've approached this a little differently and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that my the work I do is not very measurable. It's not very easy to measure. And what I did instead is, when, I, when a few years ago I developed a strategy where I went deeper with every existing client. So rather than just doing one or two projects, I was looking for clients where I could work long-term with them. Not necessarily on a retainer basis, although that's always awesome, but... I got to know them really, really well. Got to know them, the people, their products, their markets, their customers, and that also enabled me to get to, to to know them as people and to have the trust level where we could go out to lunch or to dinner or for some drinks and just get inside their head and just pick their brain and ask them, you know, like, what do you what do you like about me? Like, what makes me a partner for you? You know, instead of a vendor, um, and, and just kind of those. There's more personal questions and deeper questions that you can't really ask if you're fairly new, if they don't trust you yet or trust you at that level, or if they're in the office and they're frazzled. So, you know, kind of taking them out, have a couple of beers and have that conversation. And after doing this two or three times, I saw some patterns. And and one of them was, at least in, in what I do for a living, so freelance writing, I write a lot of marketing content for software companies. In a lot of uh, copy, but mostly content, they, I, I found out that what they really want is is someone who can write clearly and persuasively. But they, they were not me- they were not measuring the results. Um, they wanted someone who can write well, but that was kind of the, the basics. Beyond that, they wanted someone they they liked, they trusted, someone who delivered great quality. On time, every time, somebody who was easy to work with, somebody who got it, didn't need a lot of hand holding, somebody who could bring ideas to the table in a different perspective, because sometimes they're too close to their own problems and to the way they're, they're talking about this stuff. Yeah. So, so someone who would be more of a partner and would be, it, 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 and kind of had a vested interest in their business, not in terms of an investor, but in the way of like, I'm thinking about my clients' businesses, even on the weekend. Right, I hate I hate to admit that, but I do. Like I, I'll come up with ideas while I'm, you know, I don't know, doing yard work, or you know, I'll, I'll write that down and I'll contact uh, my client. I will connect them with other people who could help them, you know, from my network. Things like that, right? That most freelancers, at least in my business, don't do. So those are really the intangibles that me, that meant a lot to To my clients, and and that's what I really try to to deliver because I work in a business where you can't really measure um, the results specifically. So again, I think it just starts with picking the brain of of your best clients and finding out what they really, really value and how they measure that.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So you are definitely going to get the personal referral because of the remarkable work you've done. And so I might say, yeah, Ed, he did great work, but he also did X, Y, and Z for me, and I really like him. And so that's me remarking to someone else about how much I liked working with you. But you are saying that your clients are probably, when they're referring you to someone else, they're probably not saying. And he you know, helped us increase conversions on our site from five to six or whatever.
1: Exactly. They'll okay. say something like, "Man, Ed is just awesome to work with. Excellent writer, uh, very easy to work with. Delivers quality work every time, on time. Just he gets it. No handholding, no babysitting. Like you can assign the project and just forget about it, and and he will. You know, once you agree on a deadline, I mean, it's it's going to be there."
0: So here's the problem. I feel like if you were to use kind of the Tony Robbins method and find the rock stars in your field and attempt to replicate their successful path, it might not work. And if you were to attempt to follow in Steve Jobs' footsteps, for example, then you would study history and dance drop out of school, travel to India, then come back and work in a meditation center for a while while you live with your parents, Um, then throw together a tech product because you needed the money. But my guess is that if you took that path, you wouldn't end up with the same outcome as Steve Jobs. And I think the same is true of a lot of rock star entrepreneurs out there that have found success using a particular path and then potentially promoted that path to others. But you know what? It might not work because it's experiential and personal. So, Ed, do you agree with that? And if so, how have you redefined success for yourself so that you are not hopelessly trying to become the next Steve Jobs?
1: I completely agree with you. Um, you know, we, this society, we want formulas, right? We want step by step instruction. And that works for a lot of more tactical things. But when you get really big picture, Right, to creating a life, designing a specific life, it just, it just doesn't work. Every life, as you said, is unique, right? Every experience is unique. There's so many variables at play every single day. There's just no way you could replicate a Steve Jobs, uh, a Tim Ferris, you know those, those types of folks. Uh, pick anyone, pick anyone who's really uh, famous. So I, I think you, you can learn a lot from what they did and didn't do. But then you need to live your own story, right? You need to figure out, okay, what do I really want? Like, what would be a perfect day for me? And I've run through this exercise a few times before. And I start from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed. And I have at least two pages written on minute by minute pretty much or hour by hour what I'm doing. That is my perfect day, so I've, I've begun with the end in mind, and I kind of reverse engineer that. Not in terms of okay, step one, step two, no, but it gives me clarity, right? So that's the kind of day I want to have most of the time. And you could do this by the you know uh, the ideal year, the ideal month, ideal day. You know, okay, what do I do, right? How can I get there? And where, where a lot of people drop the ball, and I did this for years, it's really been more recently that I've kind of chilled out here, is um, I no longer try to reverse engineer that part of it. I, don't, I no longer try to deconstruct it because there's so many tasks, so many project items, so many moving parts that there's just no way you can possibly figure out step by step what you need to do. Um, So instead, what I do is I figure out, okay, based on what I'm doing right now, you know, what here works. Like, what can I take with what I'm doing right now to create that? Years ago, I mean, that that was my vision. Like, I did not want to work in an office. This is back when I I had a day job. Did not want to work in an office. Uh, I did not want to travel. I wanted to work from home. I wanted to have like peace. And for a lot of people, that's a nightmare. (laughs) Like they're like, how could you not be with people during a day? Like I would go nuts. I didn't want to be with a bunch of people every day. I I like being with people, but not all the time. Like cubicle hell is just that. That is just utter hell for me. Um, So I wanted to create a situation and I was very clear about that where I could... Just really work from anywhere, even though I don't travel that much, but I wanted to have that portability and I wanted to be able to chart my own course. It's not somebody else dictating a quota or telling me what I need to do or where I need to go or who I need to do business with. I I still remember when I made that decision, it was on on a long hike which is usually where I make a lot of decisions. (laughs) But um, yeah, so that gave me clarity. And then it just became a search for how can I make this happen. And a lot of the things that I tried just didn't work, but eventually I stumbled into freelance writing and freelance copywriting. And that was the path, right? So I think it begins with clarity. And then the second thing, figuring out what you have right now that you can kind of work on and, and blow up and maybe help you take you there and realize that most of those things are not going to work. And then the third thing is just being very aware. Now, this is the hard part. Being aware of all the opportunities and all the uh, things that, that kind of show up in our lives every day that could lead us there. You know, but you got to pay attention though. That's- I think it's awesome. yeah, um, one of my favorite things
0: about like working class audio or pensado or in you know, a home studio court or any of that stuff is like they, they come out i i, I kind of know which day they're going to come out every week i would love it i would love it if i knew like every monday or every friday that uh sounds i live was gonna have a new episode um That would be awesome. My main goal with raising money through Patreon, and this is what I have written on the Patreon page, uh, if I have enough support, then I can make Sound Design Live a more regular thing. So instead of like just whenever I have free time or whenever I'm not too busy or if I don't have to work, it can be like, no, I'm going to dedicate myself to an editorial calendar so that I come out more regularly instead of just... Whenever I can get my act together. <laughs> and it seems like such a simple thing, but you know, it takes some support to do that. Uh, absolutely. And, and, I, and I totally understand. You, you got to squeeze in the hours when you can, and they are few and far between. So. Um, I think it's the lack of clarity that makes us want to go after some of these paths. Like, I'm not really sure. What what's the best fit for me, or how to get there? So I'll try following this person's footsteps. Would you agree? Like maybe I think that's kind of the draw. Like if you don't know, if you don't have clarity, then you kind of steal some ideas.
1: You do, and I think it's okay. It's, It's it's normal, but I think it's it's always asking yourself: Is this my story or somebody else's story? I interviewed somebody for the podcast last year, and he had spent the whole summer. He took his whole family. He's got four kids, I think, to Ecuador and they lived in Ecuador from like Uh-oh. day after school ended to the day before school started. And they had an amazing time, an amazing experience. That sounded so amazing to me. And honestly, I wanted to copy that exact experience with my family, you know.
0: Give me the blueprint.
1: Give me the blueprint. But here's the thing, like my situation is different. My wife like that does not sound attractive to her at all. I would have <laughs> okay. to kind of work my way to that. Number one, number two, he doesn't have small kids. I have a 4-year-old. Like just the thought of taking him outside of the house <laughs> is like, you know, it's a it's He's it's a run project. In the street. Yeah. Well, it's not that. She she's extremely active and like being in a foreign country, you know, it just so it makes it a little more complicated. So I found myself and I caught myself trying to like create this success or this perfect day or a perfect summer, but copying somebody else's instead of asking myself, well, wait a minute, what would that look like for me? Do I really want to go to Ecuador? Eh, Maybe, but maybe not. You know, what do I really want to do? That, that what about what he shared with me got me really excited. And it wasn't so much the location, it was more of the idea. So then the question becomes, Okay, what would be the equivalent for me? Like what's the core idea there that uh, I could actually replicate?
0: Yeah. How could you do something in your own style to get the reach the same goal?
1: Exactly. I mean, you know, can we go to the beach for two or three weeks and make it kind of a working thing, you know, where I work for three or four hours in the morning, you know, really early, and then we got the rest of the day. You know, could I do something like that?
0: I think this is a really important idea, Ed, because one of the things that a lot of my clients want to do is improve their health. And they find that really hard to do when they have lots of crazy varying work hours working on events. A lot of people are upset because they can't do these kind of daily rituals or or any kind of daily rituals or morning rituals that lots of people can do who have a regular schedule or have a job or some or you know more regular hours and so we have conversations about how to meet those same goals or reach similar goals but you know doing it some different way and you have to get pretty creative when your schedule is crazy
1: man that's that's a great example right because that's another area where i see a lot of people make that mistake they what do they do they look at this fitness guru and, you know, you got to keep in mind that fitness group, first of all, has a different story. It has a different set of situations. You know, like I follow uh, uh, Mark Sisson, Mark's Daily Apple. All his videos and everything he does, he's out on the beach in California without a shirt, running at, You know, on the beach. Uh, I've
0: heard you talk about him before. You seem to have a problem with the without a shirt part. That's your biggest problem, Ed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. First of all, I don't live Put in California. Put your shirt back on. I don't live on the beach.
1: No, I'm cool with it. But, like, that is not... First of all, I don't even know if that's really what he does all day. Probably not, right? He's creating this vision. Sure. I get that. Um, but, you know, the, so so it becomes kind of a, 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 you know, either or a binary scenario Well, it's like, well, I don't live on the beach. I don't live in California. I can't spend four hours just jogging. Therefore, I will do nothing. So that the question becomes, you know, forget about that. It's not an either or scenario. It's what can I do? You know, right? Can I take a nice forty-five minute walk? You know, early in the morning before anybody wakes up. You know, in that's your situation. That's what's available to you. That's what you can do to move forward. You don't have to replicate somebody else's uh, situation.
0: Ed, do you have a business coach or a mastermind group? How do you promote your own evolution as an entrepreneur?
1: I've worked with a business coach on and off for the past three years or so. um, And that's been extremely helpful. He's got some components um, that uh, are kind of life-based. So not so much business, business, business. Um, which is which is good. I need that. Um, and right now I'm in a mastermind group. It's very, very specific. I found that uh, at least for me, I need a specific reason for the mastermind group. Uh, and the more specific, the more aligned we all are in the group, the better. So right now I'm in a group uh, of basically uh, online business owners. And we're all trying to do kind of the same thing. We use a similar model. And uh, that way we can be very specific in our advice and the questions we ask.
0: Ed, I want to thank you very much for being on Sound Design Live. I also want to thank the construction worker outside for the very interesting sound design that he provided. And Ed, where is the best place for people to follow your work online?
1: A couple of places, uh, smarterfreelancing.com. Um, and that is my Smarter Freelancing podcast. Mm-hmm that's where a lot of that resides and uh, b2blauncher.com and that's mainly for writers but I got a lot of people who listen to that podcast called High Income Business Writing uh, who are not writers because the advice really applies to just about any other type of, of a freelance professional. Sound design. Music in today's
0: episode by Max Tundra you can find more of it at maxtundra.com come
1: kid. i don't believe it very crazy